0: Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Maybe it's because we're starting out a brand new year with all its mystery and possibility. Or perhaps it has to do with the fact that I'm realizing I'm now beginning Slowly, mind you, ever so slowly, to creep into the latter phase of my middle-aged years. But I have to confess to you that lately I have been asking myself a question that I would wager a guess most of us have asked at one time or another. And the question is this. Just who am I, in the scheme of things, anyway? Seriously. Seriously. Wouldn't you agree with me that this might well be one of the single most crucial questions you and I face over the course of our lives and living? Understanding, of course, that this is not merely a matter of name, rank, and serial number. The knowledge of one's credit rating or PIN number, it doesn't even have to do with whether one happens to be a dog person or a cat person. No, this is a question that has to do with the search for self. It's nothing less than the very quest for one's own place amongst the conflicting claims and utter confusion of human life. I guess that's why a question like this is not reserved for the young, but also for those of us who, well, let's just say those of us who have gained a bit of benefit from additional life experience. It's a question to all of us, surely. In fact, it's what the late author and journalist Gail Sheehy referred to as the one continuing, never-ending, lifelong crisis of identity. The who am I that's asked all the way from womb to tomb, through one passage to the next. Simply put, it's figuring out exactly who and what we are in the scheme of things, And it can be a long process, a very long process, and it's by no means easy. And what makes it all the more difficult is that literally from the time we're born and continuing up to today and beyond, there's always going to be some person, some group, some cause or another, some social or political manifesto out there that proposes to answer that question for us. In other words, to give us an identity, as it were, forged in their image. For instance, pick up any magazine at the checkout line of the supermarket, or for that matter, turn on your television or fire up the internet, and the message you're going to find there is crystal clear. That we are to be beautiful, physically perfect, sexual beings who live wholly unto the idea of pleasure, popularity, and affluence. Never mind that Such an ideal is not only unattainable, but also potentially dangerous, unacceptable really. Nonetheless, that's the image that all the advertisers of the world would seize upon. Madison Avenue would, in fact, convince us that we are all merely consumers, that we're makers and spenders of money, and that our primary purpose in life is to accumulate all those things that make us just like those people on the magazine covers. And that's not all. It really does go on and on. We're told, for instance, by the business and academic world that who we are is defined by what we do, more to the point by how successful we are at what we do, even if that success comes at the expense of family, friends, or even God. The political pundits, to say nothing of our governmental leaders, will quickly and way too easily seek to divide us, and they do it with labels such as, well, red state and blue state, liberal or conservative, democrat or republican, progressive or deplorable. And then, of course, there are those in just about every walk of life who proclaim the gospel of self-centered, self-made autonomy. In other words, it's all about me. Except when it involves you, and then, well, it's still all about me. My point in all of this is to say that for most of us, it's hard to get a clear sense of who we are in the scheme of things when the rest of the world is offering up all these warped and confused ideas of what it means to be a person of some kind of depth and integrity. And this is particularly true, I think, for those of us who would carry the mantle of Christian, because the world most decidedly does not seek to instill that sense of identity within us. In fact, such is the radical nature of the Christian faith, is that more often than not, the world would seek to pull us away from that identity. So that's why, friends, it's so very important in this new year crucial, really, most especially given the times in which we live, that you and I resolve to remember our baptism. It seems like such a simple thing at the face of it, but when it comes to understanding who we are, it's truly everything. For just as at the moment of our Lord Jesus' baptism, a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. So, by the baptism of water and the Holy Spirit, we are also affirmed and identified as God's own beloved children. It is by our baptism that we can truly know who we are. You see, whether we're talking about the baptism of young children or a confession of faith as an adult, we understand baptism as ultimately a rite and sacrament of identity. William Willimon, in fact, gives one of the very best definitions of this I've read in recent years. He has written that baptism is when, quote, a Christian first and finally learns who he or she is, unquote. I love that. In other words, it's not, you'll notice, about what we ought to be or what we have to work toward, or what we will be someday if only we can quit messing up and get it right for once. And it's most decidedly not what the world says we can be if we just get with the program. Christian baptism is about what we are, here, now, today. And what we are is God's own, claimed and ordained for God's serious and joyful business. I don't know about you, but I want to know that I'm God's own. Moreover, given the cacophony of mixed messages that I keep hearing from the world, let me tell you folks that I need to know that. I think that's why I've always gravitated towards the reading from Isaiah, from chapter 43, because this is one of the great and eloquent reminders from Scripture of who and whose we are. Thus says the Lord, it says there, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. What a powerful message that is. And the thing is, it has always been a powerful message for God's people. Now, we need to remember once again that this word was directed to the people of Israel living in exile. A people living miles and miles from home. Their city having been destroyed. Their faith fading into little more than a distant memory. Their very existence as a people in danger of fading away. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that so much of the messages proclaimed all throughout the Advent season in the story of Christmas and now in the season of Epiphany were not only directed to God's people in exile, but which also still resonate with us here and now. Seems to me it's a pretty timeless message. Understand that these people of whom we read in Scripture were unsure of who they even were anymore, and that alone filled them with a sense of fear and dread that they thought would never go away. And we can understand that, can't we? Isn't that, after all, one of the most common fears that almost everyone shares? To be completely and utterly alone in the world? I'm remembering a classmate of mine from my seminary days, who apparently as a teenager spent a short time living on the streets. I say apparently because the truth is she didn't talk all that much about it. In fact, all I ever remember her saying is that first she learned a great deal from the experience, but also that the worst part of it was that she felt like nobody. Can there ever be anything worse than being nobody? with no identity at all, as Dylan used to sing, like a complete unknown, with no direction home, like a rolling stone. Well, so it was for Israel. But now in the midst of their worst fear and their greatest despair comes the assurance of the Lord. Do not fear, for you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Or consider the Messages translation of this particular passage. I like this. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God. Get this, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you, God says. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Saba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade creation in just for you. That's just how much we're loved. Turns out we're not a nobody, and we're more than just anybody or even somebody. We are precious and honored in God's sight. We're bought with a price, named and claimed as God's very own, so that He might love us today and tomorrow and for all of life, now and eternally. And to seal the deal, as it were, He sent to us His own beloved Son, Jesus so that by and through him we might always know just how deep God's love truly is, and how by that love we can come to know ourselves as we truly are. We are, you see, ever and always, in all things and in all ways, God's own. Well, yes, I know. The fact is, is that all of us can claim a whole lot of identities over the course of our lives. We're sons and daughters, we're husbands and wives, we're parents and grandparents. We're known by what we do for work and the things we enjoy doing. We're known by that which we believe in and by the causes that we're passionate about. We're known by the words we speak and even more so by the actions we take. And sometimes we're identified by the kinds of friends we have, but most especially by the kind of friends we are. The truth is that every one of us can answer that question. Just who are you anyway? And we can do it in a wide variety of ways. But here's the good news, beloved. Is that at the heart of who we are is this pervasive and enduring truth that we are first and foremost, each and every one of us, a child of God. That is the one identity that gives shape and color and form to all the other names and all the other roles that we can ever carry. It is our baptism. This affirmation that we've received that we are God's own. It is that affirmation that tells us and tells the world around us everything that's ever needed to know about just who and whose we are in the scheme of things. It seems to me, you know, that one of the central reasons for coming to worship as we do on a Sunday morning is that in coming into the presence of our Lord, we are reminded of our true identity, so to speak. Sometimes that reminder comes in the midst of a hymn or a song that we've been singing. Other times it's found in the spirit of prayer. Maybe it comes in a verse of scripture that you're hearing for the very first time or else hearing in a brand new way. (laughs) Sometimes it comes in a sermon, who knows? Or for that matter, It might be in the realization that as you sit in that sanctuary, you're surrounded in a room full of kindred spirits. Well, friends, it's a brand new year. And maybe you are in the need of reminding. And if that's the case, I pray that our time together in the presence of God serves as a way of of reconnecting with who you really are, as opposed to who and what everything and everyone else in the world has told you you are, or maybe expects you to be. I pray that this will be the day that that you get back in touch with the one who has loved you enough to make you his own. I can't think of a better way to start off a new year than that. So don't be afraid, God says. I'm with you. I will be with you till the end of the age. That's how much I love you. Don't be afraid. Remember who you are. Be it resolved, beloved, that we remember our baptism. And as we do, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.